I believe that you are my healer. You are my provider. Lord, you've got more than I need. Lord, you're gracious, merciful, faithful enough to give me more than I need. To provide, to bless, to pour your power out. Lord, I want you to send your victory. Let us give glory to your name. For your name is great, greatly. Amen, amen, and amen. Give God praise in this house, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. Glad to, have, but glad to be here tonight, glad to have you here tonight. God is a good God. All the time, amen. I, I told you last night that I struggled with the sermon that God had laid on my heart last night. It wasn't what I wanted to preach. And I had forced a sermon to put it together yesterday. And I had went so far as when God changed back, I left the sermon slides that I prepared yesterday and just labeled them Tuesday. And I went and looked at them today and and... And I looked at it, and I thought, well, I don't know. And I prayed about it, and then I went back and read the story again, and God gave me a whole new message on the same passage. And, um, and, and so I, I, I am, uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. I know that this may be a struggle for some of us tonight because I know there's probably a few people here like me that your past is full of greatness and wonderful and everything in your past has been just the best things in the world, and your past is nothing but a joy for you to look back at. But for me, I have things in my past I'd rather leave in my past. I have things in my past that I struggle with. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight to Mark chapter 5. Mark, amen, Mark chapter 5, I want to look at verse number 15, this is what the word of the Lord says, New Living Translation, it says when, oh that, yeah, here I am, I got to find where I'm at, here it is, uh, there it is, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you right now, and I thank you for your power. I thank you for your majesty, your peace, and your mercy. And Lord, I pray that you would allow me to speak this message the way you gave it to me. Lord, I want you to get me out of the way, Lord, from this service and from this revival. And Lord, let your power, let your anointing, let your hand touch where we need to be touched and change what we need to change and address what needs to be addressed. Lord, I just thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. 
Tonight I'm going to talk for a few minutes on greater things are yet to come. Greater things are yet to come. Now, I feel like that I need to give you some explanation before we get into the sermon. I am going to be preaching tonight about the demonic at Gadara. And, and again, I, I don't know that I've preached a story yet in this revival that isn't something that we all know. God has not sent me into the deep realms of Habakkuk. I think that was Brother Mike's text last night was Habakkuk. I don't ever preach from Habakkuk because I can't say Habakkuk. It's, I struggle. I have not delved, thank you, I have not delved in to the mighty words of Zephaniah. Nor have I decided to wade into the deep waters of Leviticus. But let me tell you something. Sometimes I believe that our problem is we think we know stories because we've heard them, we've read them, and we've heard them preach, but we don't let God come alive in them. And, and tonight, I'm going to preach, and as God had me reading the story again today of the demonic at Gadara, now i got to let you know, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I know I say that about everything, but this is one of my favorite stories. I have preached about the demonic at Gadara. I love the story of the demonic at Gadara. Later on, I'm going to talk about how God told him to go back and tell people, if you study the Bible, that doesn't happen. Most every time God did a miracle, Christ told them not to tell anybody. But when Christ was not accepted in the land, he told the demonic to go and tell everybody. And Two chapters later, I preach this. Jesus comes back, and there is a crowd that gathers to hear the message. I believe that crowd that gathered to hear the message in chapter 8 of the book of Mark gathered because of the ministry of the demonic at Gadara. And that is the story where Jesus fed the 4,000, not counting men and women. And what I'm telling you is one man in a nation that didn't want Jesus could bring out a multitude that Christ could feed at a later time. And I may get into that a little bit tonight, but that's one of the things I love about this story. I love Mark chapter 5. I love, I stole a sermon from an overseer many years ago where he talked about what side of the lake are you on, and you've heard me talk about it. Are we on the side that says, Jesus, leave us, or are we on the side that's waiting for Jesus to dock his boat so he can send us victory and miracles and power? Are we looking for his power? Are we looking to get rid of his power? I, I, I love this story, but I have never read the story of the demonic at Gadara the way I read it today. As I begin to read, and, and I'm just, bear with me, I want to read a little bit tonight. It says, so they arrived on the other side of the lake. Now, let me just give us a setting where we're at. So they arrived on the other side of the lake is coming off of last night's sermon. After the storm, after they thought they were going to die. After they didn't trust Jesus, after Jesus, instead of coming in and comforting them, Jesus said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
And they begin to ask, who is this? They're in the boat with the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They've given up everything they have, and they're sitting in the boat going, who are we in the boat with? Even the winds and the waves obey his command. But when they got to the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gerasenes, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often would, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now we talked about this demonic man. We have heard preaching about this man that is later named Legion because of the legion of demons that are in him. We've talked, this is not a story, this is a literal event. But as I began to read this today, God showed me something I had never seen before. What if this legion of demons, do you understand demons have occupations? Demons have purposes. Demons are here for a reason. They, they have a job to do. They have a title. What if these demons' title was passed? What if their title was that they were the past? Let's read this again. When Jesus climbed out of the mo- a boat, a man possessed by the past came out of the tombs to meet him. What are the tombs? The tombs are where dead bodies are. What day do we go to the graves and the tombs to honor people? Memorial Day, as we remember the past. The tombs are the homes of the past. Spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves where the past lives, could no longer be restrained even with chains whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was. The past snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue their past. Day and night, his past wandered among the burial caves and the hills howling and cutting, cutting himself with sharp stones. As we get into this sermon, I want us to understand that the, 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 the view that I'm coming from here is these demons' role was to bring up the past. Let me tell you about your past. Your past lives among dead things. Your past lives among memories of what once was instead of promises of what what is on the way. 
Your past is strong. And no matter how many times we in our own power try to shackle up our past, we try to chain up our past, somehow our past breaks free. Somehow our past uh, attitudes, our past relationships, our past sins, our past hurts, our past fights, our past addictions seem to always break free and drag us back into the homes of the dead. Bring us back into the places that we have no power to subdue them. Too many times we live our life Ten. that's just how I am. That's how my past made me. I can't defeat my past. My past cannot be subdued. Every time I think I get a little bit down the road, all of a sudden, the names that I was called in my past come back up. Every time I try to chain up my past, the desires of my past pop back up. Every time I think I've got it all together, all of a sudden my past breaks out of its shackles and my identity is stolen and my promise is stolen and my faith is stolen and I find myself living among the tombs of the dead again. Past is not just a spirit that afflicts men and women. It's a spirit that afflicts the church. Every time that we think we've moved past the past, it breaks out of the chains again. And it pulls us back into an old routine an old mindset, and we find ourselves living in dead churches amongst the memories of past blessings and past anointings and feeling like that we're trapped and we can't get out of what happened yesterday. We can't see tomorrow because we are held captive by the past. Let me tell you a few things about the past. Let me tell you a few things about how God can make the future greater than your past. The first thing that I see is the past recognizes Jesus. The past recognizes Jesus. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Your past knows who God is. Your past knows who Christ is. You know why the past knew who Christ was? Because Christ's purpose, Christ's future, was to eradicate man's past. What did did the Bible say? Jesus said, I have come to be a ransom for men. When Jesus... 
when, uh, let, let's go all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve fell, God already had a plan. And that day, he killed a lamb, the first thing ever killed in, human, in history, to cover the sin of Adam and Eve with blood. But he understood, Jesus of the Godhead understood, the Father understood, the Son understood, the Spirit understood, that the only way that the past sin of Adam and Eve could be covered would never be by the blood of a lamb, but it would have to be by the blood of the lamb. It would have to be by the blood of Jesus. The process of redemption lived and breathed and had its being in the person of Jesus Christ. And the past knows it. The past knows that if we ever get a glimpse of what Jesus' future is, the past has no power. If we ever get a taste of what Jesus' power is, the past no longer has any strength. The past knew him because they knew that his future was to eradicate him. Not only was Jesus' future to eradicate the the sin of man, but Jesus' future was to eradicate the sin of man. Of that man. His future was to eradicate the sin of your life. To cover our sin under the blood of Christ. To take our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. To cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. To be remembered no more. Satan knows, the past knows, the past understands that if we grab a hold of faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, our past is gone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus oh let me tell you something when your past thrives and lives off your own condemnation when your past is always telling you that you're not good enough when your past is always telling you you don't have the right name you don't have the right power you've never done things right you've been a failure you've been this you've been that you've been the other the last thing the past wants is you to get a hold of Jesus and find out that in Christ there is no condemnation The past recognized Jesus because the past understood that he had to cut things off now. One translation, one telling of this story. I remember reading it. I couldn't put my hands on it today. But I remember reading it one time where it said, Why have you come to torture us before our time? What the past was saying is, You ain't died yet. You haven't paid the price yet. Why are you here to attack me before you have paid the price? But Jesus says, I already know what the price is. I I, I 
understand. And the demons understand that it doesn't matter if it was faith in the price or faith looking back or faith looking forward. When Jesus came to earth, submitted himself to his Father's call, the work was done. Oh, I got to say there a second, a little bit of a rabbit trail here. But let me. Can I tell you, you don't have to see the end. You just have to see God's plan. When God says, this is what's going to happen, you don't have to see it completed to understand God doesn't go back on His Word. You don't have to see the empty tomb to understand He's going to come out of that tomb. You don't have to see your victory to walk in your victory. I just don't know when God's going to do it. If he's already here, he's already done it. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we understand that that's not linear? That's not that that the face app doesn't work on Jesus. And in case you don't know what the face app is, that was the app that was on all the phones a couple weeks ago that made us all look old. Amazing, it didn't change me much. But it, it doesn't mean that, that Jesus, linear time, it means that Jesus is above time. And the Jesus of today is the Jesus of yesterday, and the Jesus of today is the Jesus of tomorrow. Because time doesn't matter to him. And what he's doing right now is what he was doing 2,000 years ago and what he's going to be doing 2,000 years from now. It's already done. What he says is done now is already done in his heart. It's already done in his mind. It's already done as his existence. We just haven't seen it yet. But the devil has. I'm not saying the devil is omniscient. I'm not saying that he has that same. But the devil. The devil knew what it was like to praise him. He was a worshiper. And and so he understands that when Jesus, when God says it, when Jesus said it, when Jesus said you're cast out of heaven, guess what? He was cast out of heaven. Satan wants the linear time and God says, no, 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 no. That doesn't work with me. Why have you come to torture me before my time? I know who you are. You are the son of the most high. Why are you here to give us trouble? Why are you here? The Bible then says, I love this. With a shriek, he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Wait a minute. Hang on. Peace be still. Why are you afraid? They arrived, climbed out of the boat. I don't see any red letters there. 
But Jesus had already said, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Oh, that's just a narration. Oh, it may be. Or it may be that Jesus has already cleaned up your heart. Jesus has already done the work. When Jesus got there, Satan remembered Jesus had already cast him out. Jesus had already cast him out of heaven. He had already cast him out of the, the heavenly nations. He had already he had already fought him and battled him. The demons knew him. The demons knew who they were, who he was. They were afraid of him. He had already driven them out long before you come to a situation where you say, I don't know how I'm going to go any further. God has already done the work. He's already spoke to your demon. He's already yelled at your past. He's already said, get out of here. We think we come to some... Mm, we think we come to some great understanding when we cry out to God, God, help me. Isn't it great that I've cried out to you? Help me. And God says, I've already done the work. I've already sent the enemy running away from you. Your past recognizes Jesus because Jesus is already in control. But I just, I saw something today. That made me want to get up and run around the house. I didn't because I'm lazy, but it made me want to. Here's what I saw. Jesus does not recognize the past. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? Jesus was 100% God. 100% man. But in the spiritual realm, he was 100% God. And if in the spiritual realm, he was 100% God, he was all-knowing. Why did he look at a demon and say, what is your name? Because my Bible, I've already quoted says that our sin and our past has been cast as far as he If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Our sins have been cast in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. I've got some good news for you. Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't remember your sin. Jesus doesn't remember your hurt. Jesus doesn't remember the things you did wrong. Jesus doesn't remember your addictions. Jesus doesn't remember your struggles. Jesus doesn't remember your past because your past has been covered under his blood. And when he faces your past, they know who he is, but he doesn't know who they are because they mean nothing to him. I'm going to put this in a way maybe you can understand it. But understand this is just an example. Something happened to me when I moved to Chillicothe almost seven years ago. Probably Van Wert and Chillicothe are the two smallest towns I've ever pastored in. And Chillicothe is just a hair smaller than Van Wert. And it took about a year and a half, two years, and all of a sudden people started knowing who I was. I'd be on the radio once in a while. I I would be at events, community events and activities. Our church 
is well known in this city. When I was in Van Wert, most people didn't even know we existed. But this church is well known in our city. And it didn't take long that I'd walk into Walmart and people would go, Pastor Tommy! And I'd go, I don't know who you are. Now, here's what I want to tell you. They knew me because of my position and my title. I didn't know them because they didn't have a position or a title. They didn't have a way that their identity was made known to me. Okay? Can I tell you, when your past comes up in your life and gets all your attention, when Jesus walks by, he knows who you are, but he doesn't know who that one next to you is. He knows who you are. He doesn't know your past. We think that everybody judges us by our past. And in this life, that may be true. But I've come by to give you some good news today. Jesus doesn't know your past. He doesn't recognize that pain and that heartache and those ideas and those identities that you carry around and you think you can't get away from. Jesus doesn't even know who they are. Jesus says, who are you? We are legion. We are many. Then your past gets nervous. I got to go somewhere. Let me go into the pigs. You understand? Jewish culture. How powerful this is. Because what the demon said is if I can't torture him, you'll be okay with me torturing what's unclean. You'll be okay with me going there. And Jesus simply said, go. I don't know who you are. To Jesus, a pig didn't matter. Call people for ethical treatment of animals to me. To, to Jesus, a pig was unclean. It wasn't food. Sort of glad we got past that. I like bacon. But anyway, it, 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 it was not edible. It was just an animal. You're always more important than an animal. You're always more important. But as Jesus says go, they go when these 2,000 pigs prove to be smart. They run down the hill. They drown themselves. The Bible says that the keepers of the flock, the herdsmen, verse 14, the herdsmen fled to nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. Come to the verse that I read. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. He was no longer bound by his past. 
He was no longer bound by his past. The old was gone, the new had come. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus, send us revival and move in our hearts and bless us today. That's not even in the New Living Translation. That's not even in the NIV anyway. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Your past, the crowd who lives by your past is afraid of your future. They were more comfortable with a demon-possessed man bound by his past living among the tombs and howling in the hillsides than a fully sane man sitting in his right mind and clothed next, next to Jesus. They knew that a man bound by his past living in the tombs couldn't bother them because he couldn't get past his own enemies. He couldn't get out of his own history. But when he become free and sane, and now he no longer is about his past, but now he's about his future. Oh, that's a scary thing. But mm, you know what happens when you leave your past and you grab your future? When you leave your past and you grab your future, you go from being Somebody that hides because you killed a man to being somebody that leads a nation out of bondage. You go, you go from being a servant that follows Moses around like a little puppy. Read it. Joshua followed Joseph everywhere he went. I mean Moses. Joshua followed Moses everywhere he went. Matter of fact, when Moses would go into the tent of meeting and talk to God, Moses would go back to his tent and Joshua would say, you know what, I'm going to wait right here. Oh, I've preached a sermon around here. I don't know if it's famous or infamous about which tent are you in. And I put tents up on the stage. We're never going to get anywhere. But this servant who just wanted to serve, got to, when he walked past his past, he led the children of Israel into the promised land. You know what happens when you let go of your past? Somebody who gets up and says, I'm the least man in the least tribe from the least family of the least tribe becomes a mighty man of valor. Look it up. His name is Gideon. He hides in a wine press because the enemy's coming and the next thing you know, God's calling him a mighty man of valor. When you move from your past into your future, a shepherd boy becomes a king. When you move from your past into your future, my mind is running so many ways, I'm trying to grab so many people out of the Bible. Two brothers that are so vocal 
and so explosive that they're called sons of thunder. They got that because they got angry back. And one of them was young. They go from being sons of thunder to the disciples of Christ. When you let your past go and you start looking to your future, a boy that couldn't talk, tell the truth if you paid him to spends the rest of his life spreading. Things come. When you allow your past to go away and you start seeing your future, there is nothing that can stop you. There is, you are a fearful thing. When you let go of your past and you grab your future, a witch becomes a prophet. Come on. When we begin to understand that when we move away from our past, people are going to be afraid of us. Why? Because there's no telling what we can do in the future. You know why people want to, you know why others want to hold you in the past? Because they know what to expect of you. But when God releases you and lets you run into your future, nobody knows what to do. The, oh, we know what we're going to get here. Goes away. Doesn't matter what they've said about you. Doesn't matter what they said you could and couldn't do. Your future is in God's hand. Let me tell you something. We get all upset. When the crowds begin to say, oh, go away. Same thing happens in the church. You know what happens when a church leaves its past? Starts looking to its future? All of a sudden that church starts changing lives. tired of living in the tomb. I'm tired of living in memorials. I'm tired of feeling like that a church is a memorial. For once, I'm going to tell you, it's not a real big issue in this church. Usually I say, but, but I, I want you to know it's out there. I've seen it. We're more concerned about whose plaque is on a chair. We're more concerned about the memorials to the people who built the church instead of what God wants to do with the church. I, I got news for you. I, I, I know you guys have been really good to me because I moved in here. I took the pulpit out. Took the communion table out. And none of that was an issue, but I will tell you the time came, I took a picture off the wall and somebody said, so-and-so bought that picture. Are you serious? I'm not worried about the past. Can I tell you something? 
one of these days I may die or I may move on. Take my picture off the wall. We can't live in our past. We're going to come up here in about another four months. We're going to get to December. And you know what's going to happen in January of 2020? Oh, well, that'd be great. 2019 is going to be over, and the year God told me to set aside for prayer doesn't mean we're going to stop praying. But these tables are going to get put up. And there are going to be some people going, oh, that's the prayer tables. It was the prayer tables for a season. They were here to teach us how to pray. They were here to show us a way that we can go beyond just God bless me and learn how to intercede for one another. And for a year we've been praying around these, but they were never intended to be a crutch or a statue or a memorial or a gravestone to our past. They are a catalyst to our future. Your past is afraid of your future. My past is scared to death of my future. My past, my past is full of things like people telling me that I was stupid. My past is full of people telling telling me that you're weird. It took me a long time to just, I just decided weird was a good thing. I heard it so much. Weird's a good thing. The experiences of my past tell me that I've never achieved what I thought I was capable of, of achieving. And my past is afraid that if I can get out of its grip, I can achieve what God called me to do. My past is afraid. Mm. Oh, I don't want to. That evangelist Tommy doesn't want to preach to Pastor Tommy tonight. If Pastor Tommy would ever let the past let go of his life, he might find out more people buy his book than he thinks. Oh, I've I've told myself and everybody else, oh yeah, I know I need to write a book, I need to write a book, but ain't nobody going to read it. I can't even talk right, much less write right. Write right. But I tell you what, if I would let my past fall off of me, God may have something special for my future. But if I live in the memorials of the failures. You know my biggest challenge in writing a book? I failed three classes. Why I didn't get my master's? I can't do it! I don't write a book. I can't do it! And I live in the memorial of those events. And the crowd 
crowd says, oh, when Jesus begins to deal with it, the crowd says, oh, go away. Would you just leave us alone? You understand that the crowd in that land was saying the same things the demons in that land? Leave us alone. Why are you bothering us? Jesus said. Bible says that Jesus went to get in the boat. You ask Jesus to leave, he ain't going to stay. Some of us think, but if I do, I don't want you. You're going to be that way about it, God, just leave. You know what God will do? He'll leave. To walk away. Jesus said, okay. We went and got in the boat. The man that had been filled with the demonic spirits, the man that had been bound in my sermon tonight by his past, came and went to get in the boat with him. said, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, now, I have a I have a purpose for you. It's another one of those places when God told me, when God showed me this verse, I can't even find it in the Bible. There it is. And Jesus was getting in the boat and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said no. I want you to hear what it says. No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Now, I'm not very smart. I'm definitely not a grammar teacher. But has is a past tense. Of have. You know what God said to him? Go back to your family. Tell them what your new past is. There is no past before the deliverance. So go back and tell them what the new past is. See, my new past isn't that I was called, that I'm stupid. My new past isn't that I'm a failure. My new past isn't that I'm not good enough. My new past is that God has set me free, that God has given me a future, that God has given me a plan. My old past may have been that I was an addict. My old past may have been that I was a liar. My old past may have been that I was a cheater. But my new past is that I have been forgiven I have been given new life I am now in Christ and I am a new creation the old is gone and the new is the old is gone and the new has come somewhere down the line we got to rewrite our history books they do it in the schools We've got to rewrite our history. We've got to understand that that out of the junk isn't who we are anymore. 
can't come unto the Father unless you be born again. Can't come unto the Father unless you've been born again. But yet we keep trying to bring our old life. We, we keep wondering why we struggle in our Christian walk when our whole Christian walk is about carrying our old life. We've already been born again. We have died. We have been crucified with Christ. The old man is dead. And now we get up as a new man. Quit dragging around the old man. You have a new past now. Your new past is redemption. Your new past is power. Your new past is anointing. Your new past is preparation. Your new past is victory. You know how many times, hang on a second, I'm tired, you preach. Okay. You know how many times as a pastor, evangelist Tommy had to sit down for this. You know how many times as a pastor I hear people come up and they tell me about their past as why they can't do something for God today. Oh, but you don't understand. It's the way I've always been. I try to beat it. I just I understand. You leave it among the tombs. Your past keeps breaking every chain that you try to put on it. Quit trying to chain up your past and let Jesus show up in your life. Trying to, quit trying to control your past and give it to Christ. Your past knows who He is. Christ don't even care. Your past doesn't... Mm, i got to go there for a second. Some of you don't think you can give your past to Jesus because it's too bad. Not only does your past... Not only does Jesus not know your past, he's not scared of your past. Ain't nobody been as bad as me. You haven't read many history books, have you? I just preached the other night about a guy that held the coats while they stole Stephen. Got letters so he could go arrest some people, hopefully to kill them. He was known to kill believers. God didn't care about his past. He made him an apostle out of sea. I, I know a man. I know a man that knew what it was like to be anointed. still couldn't get past his fleshly eye. Had a man killed to hide an infidelity in his life. Still called him. Got news for you. Not only does he not know your past, he's not scared of you. Your past does not frighten Jesus. Jesus is not in heaven right now going, man, oh man, if Brian comes to me, what am I going to do with that mess that he's put himself in? He's like, eh, nothing. It, it, it doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. I'm scared Hope you didn't want to keep that a secret. Too late now. That doesn't scare God. Doesn't scare God anymore. You used to be a bartender than I used to fake. Doesn't scare God. He's seen it all. And he's more powerful than your past. And his desire is that we would move from where we're at and we would go start telling people about our new history. My new history is not what I did. My new history is what God did. The best I've ever known at this, my daddy. My daddy got saved Sunday night in June 1961. I've shared his testimony so many times. Most of you could probably quote it as good as I can. He was out running around with some girls. His mama had told him he had to be at church. My dad ran around with his cousins. He was a street racer. He he was he was he he he. I didn't even realize it. Never crossed my mind for years. He was drinking. He was carousing. He was doing all this stuff. Third Sunday night of June, he come home. He thought mama would already be at church. She wasn't. She was sitting on the porch, a little four foot eleven grandmother of mine. He says her lip was stammering. That's what she'd do when she'd get mad. I only saw it once or twice because I was a grandkid. She said, You promised me. And you better be there. He went out and told the girls that had brought him home they had to leave because he had to go to church with mama. He went and sat on the back row. At the end of that service, somebody came by and said, Ira Lee, you know, heart before you. He says he got up out of the back row and began to walk down the aisle. He said before he got three steps down the aisle, God had already saved him. He said it wasn't about getting to the altar, it was about going. That's his testimony. I lived in his house, raised under his roof. And for most of my life, I would have only believed that life started the third Sunday night of June 1960. Even the little bit I heard about his racing was the racing he would do on the track legally after the third Sunday night in June 1961. See, what he understood is that his past was no longer there and his life started on the third Sunday night of June 1961. Some of us need to quit living before God saved us. But pastor, what if we still live like we lived before? Then you didn't get saved. You got a feeling. I'm tired. I am tired of soft selling the gospel. I'm tired of saying if you'll pray these words, it'll all be okay. It's not okay until you repent, until you change. And when you change, your past is gone. The reason the past holds on to the church is we won't let go of it.
We claim to be believers in God and we carry our past. Some of us, we carry it like a weighted backpack. Some of us, we carry it like a shiny badge. Look what I did. News for you, church. We need to start telling people our new past. When he began to go back, he began to tell people about his new past. You know what his new past did? Proclaimed the glory of God. It proclaimed the glory of God. If your testimony proclaims the glory of sin, you need to change your testimony. Because that's why you're struggling. You're holding on to your past. If you see more of the pain than you see of the victory, you need to proclaim the glory of God. You need a new past. I've come by here tonight to tell you something. Your past doesn't matter. Your past doesn't matter. Every one of us. Somebody told me this week that God had reached way back in the grab something, stirred it all up. And they said, I said, What are you grabbing that for? They said, That's taken care of. They told me, God told him, you haven't dealt with it. You're still carrying it. And I got to bring it up here so I can let you know that now it's in a pig somewhere running off. Some of you have let your past define your personality. You have let your past define your relationships. You have let your past define your commitment. You have let your past define your ministry. You have let your past define your faith, fear, doubt, your hope. You have let hurtful words, bad situations, Horrible events of your past change. We have let things change from our past, change our future. Say we because I'm, I've let the past guide my thinking. Guide my decisions. Now I want to let the past. I want to let the past have a bacon sandwich. I want to let the past run down a hillside somewhere. I can't pick it back up. I have to become the new man that God intended me to be. You have to become the new man, the new woman God intended I'm going to pray. Some of you are going to let your past keep you in your seat. 
bold. Oh, I don't know why. But some of you are going to be bold enough to understand that you can't grab your future until you let go of your past. You can't grab your future until you let God remove your past. That's what revival is. That's what's going to change. That's what's going to change this church. That's what's going to change your life. You understand, this church doesn't change until you change. You understand, I said it a thousand different ways in the last week and a half. We can't reach this city if we're dead. And if we're holding on to our past, if we're being limited, we're not trusting God, we're reaching the city. We can't start saving people from a burning hell if we're on the way. Sorry. Nobody would doubt that the demonic at Gadara was headed for a burning hell until God delivered him. Just because you think your demons are under control, they're breaking out of the chains every night. Every time your past whispers in your ear and tells you you can't, they're breaking out of the chains. Keep asking God, God, when are you going to start sending new people in? When are you going to start letting people get saved? When you... And he keeps telling me the same thing. When you're ready, we'll do it. When, 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 when we get there, it'll happen. Until we let go. Of Until we let go. We're going to struggle. So tonight we're going to deal with past. We're going to deal with some more stuff tomorrow night. But tonight we're going to deal with past. As I pray, you know what I mean by hearing your past whisper in your ear. You know what I mean by hearing, sometimes you hear somebody's voice. Sometimes you relive an event over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean. You know what it means to have your past have a hold on you. Some of you, it's past hurts. Some of you, it's past prides. Past sin. Past neglect. Past pain. Past mistreatment. You know what holds you back as I pray I want you to come. I'm going to ask you tonight, if you're at all physically possible, I want you to stand. And I want you to stand in this altar, and I'm going to pray with you, and I believe God's going to cast your past out. Right now, come as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father.